0: It's Midday Magazine for Thursday, July 27th. I'm Shelby Herbert. Humpback whales could be growing their own food supply and fighting climate change in a very unusual way. Through their poo, KFSK's Thomas Copeland has more on research happening this summer into the whale hump hypothesis. And Petersburg residents can hear all about it in a talk happening tonight at the Public Library.
1: The first time Dana Block ever saw a whale, she was in Provincetown, Massachusetts, with her grandfather.
2: I would usually fall asleep on the whale watches, I think, because it was a long boat right out there. It was sunny and rocking. And when I was about seven, I was like, I'm going to stay awake and I'm going to see all the whales and spot them first.
1: And it was humpbacks in particular that Block fell in love with.
2: They're so kind of like lumpy, bumpy and gangly and have this ridiculous shape. They're mysterious and under the water. Like there's just these giant mammals like blobbing around. Doing really cool stuff.
1: Two decades later, Block has crossed the continent to study some of that cool stuff going on under the waves as part of a postgraduate degree at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. She's looking into a process called the whale pump hypothesis. Block says it has four steps.
2: Step one is the whale is feeding on nutrient-rich prey.
1: And that could be krill, herring, maybe juvenile salmon or sand lance.
2: Step two is the whales return to the surface and they produce a fecal plume in the surface water.
1: Okay, but what is fecal plume in like normal language?
2: A fecal plume is a giant cloud of whale poop.
1: Block says the best way to spot the whale poop is from a drone.
2: And I have a picture here that you can see. It's like a red cloud that's kind of coming from underneath the whale's tail. And it usually comes as the whale dives.
1: But enough of what the poop looks like, it's what the poop contains that really matters.
2: Step three, the material in the whale poop is very rich in nutrients. In Southeast Alaska, we're mostly interested in phosphorus and nitrogen.
1: And finally comes step four.
2: Phytoplankton are using the nutrients to grow and and reproduce.
1: So there you have it, the four steps in the whale pump hypothesis in southeast Alaska. But wait, why should we care about phytoplankton? Well, Block says there are two reasons why. The first is that phytoplankton are the base of the ocean food chain. Everything else relies on it, including the fish that whales eat. And that's why Dana says humpbacks could be like gardeners
2: of the sea. It's like they're fertilizing the area where their food may be growing. And in that sense, the whales may be kind of in less competition with the fisheries or with other ocean needs than we sometimes think.
1: And the second reason we should care about phytoplankton is maybe even more important.
2: They're primary producers that are responsible for about 50% of the oxygen in the air. So they're responsible for every other breath you take.
1: 50% of the oxygen produced in the world is from phytoplankton? What?
2: Yeah, some estimates are higher, but that's, that's a ballpark estimate. I thought
1: trees produced all the oxygen.
2: Trees produce a lot of the oxygen but the oceans are giant and cover most of the earth.
1: Plus, when phytoplankton die, they sink to the bottom of the ocean, storing all that carbon far away from the surface. Now, superhero phytoplankton like this sound really cool, but Block's job is a little less glamorous. She works with the Alaska Whale Foundation out of Warm Springs Bay to collect the data she needs.
2: Builds up, no down
1: as a video of herself hanging off the side of a boat with a white net in her hand.
2: When the drone pilot says, like, okay, go ahead, I drop a small phytoplankton net into the water and just run it through the fecal plume. I pull it out and transfer that into a bottle and put it in the freezer next to our frozen berries. What does
1: it smell like?
2: (laughs) It smells awful. Um, It smells like fishy poop, I mean, it is fishy poop,
1: so. Block says there's lots more work to be done in the future. But when she's out on the water, she's thinking back to her grandfather's boat in
2: Massachusetts. If I told my seven-year-old self, I wouldn't have believed myself then because it's just like, that's way too cool.
1: <laughs> Even if it involves scooping up whale poo?
2: Yeah, the whale poop I don't think I would have anticipated.
1: Block will continue her research until the spring of 2024. So there's plenty of time for her to fully digest all the data she collects this summer. In Petersburg, I'm Thomas Copeland.
0: You can hear Dana Block talking about her work tonight at 6.30 p.m. in the Petersburg Public Library. Entry is free. The state of Alaska is appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court to resurrect the proposed pebble mine in the headwaters of Bristol Bay. The state attorney general, with the help of a private law firm on contract yesterday asked the Supreme Court to repeal a January decision by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency that, in essence, vetoed the mine. Pebble would be a massive open-pit copper and gold mine on state land. The deposit is located upstream from Bristol Bay, Alaska's most productive sockeye salmon fishery. The company hoping to develop it, Pebble Limited Partnership, says their mine design would ensure contaminants don't degrade the fishery. The state argues that the EPA confiscated state property and created a de facto national park. It's asking the court to either toss the agency's decision or order the government to compensate the state for the property. A coalition of tribes and fishermen who have fought the mine say the state is engaging in legal antics to help the Pipple partnership. The Supreme Court is not obligated to take up the case. Wrangell is urging residents to conserve water after a few dry weeks have depleted the community's reservoirs. As Sage Smiley reports, officials say the well hasn't run dry, but they're trying to be proactive.
3: Like the rest of southeast Alaska, Wrangell residents live surrounded by North America's largest temperate rainforest, the Tongass. But living in a rainforest doesn't prevent all water issues. So far this month, the Wrangell area is at about 70% of its normal rainfall, according to the National Weather Service in Juneau. That dry spell and higher than average water consumption have left Wrangel teetering on the edge of implementing mandatory water conservation measures. Wrangel has been using close to a million gallons of treated water per day in recent weeks, according to a report from the Public Works Department, pushing the drinking water treatment plant's production capacity.
4: It was had a dry couple of weeks.
3: Jeff Good is Wrengel's borough manager. He gave an update to the assembly at a meeting july twenty fifth.
4: So the upper reservoir, I think we're four feet down or on the lower reservoir. Four feet down the lower reservoir, the upper reservoir is full, but no longer spilling, so they have started siphoning.
3: Wrangell's Public Works Director Tom Waiter estimates as of Wednesday, the community has just over two months' worth of water stored in the reservoirs, about 10 million gallons less than normal capacity. So, Wrangell officials are encouraging residents to voluntarily conserve water, take shorter showers, sweep driveways and sidewalks instead of hosing them off, and so on. If the reservoirs continue to deplete, the town could implement its water emergency plan as early as next week, the first week of August. If the supply drops below 60 days worth, that kicks off the first stage of Wrangell's water shortage management plan, which was adopted in 2017 in the wake of major community water shortages.
4: We've been teetering on the edge of that for probably close to two weeks here now, and we got a lot of rain You know, last weekend with with the little thunderstorm that rolled through and and that helped. uh, But, you know, we're still starting to see the reservoir levels dropping.
3: Waiter says water usage has been pushing the production limit of the plant, averaging 860,000 gallons per day.
4: No matter what happens at the plant, no matter what happens with our water storage, it it doesn't matter what we do up there. The plant is only it was only designed to produce 900,000 gallons
3: a day. The plant's capacity has been increased slightly to one million gallons per day. The town can also store about a million gallons of treated water in its tanks, a day's worth of water. That two days is not a lot of wiggle room. Waiter says part of the strain could come from the local Trident Seafoods processing plant. It's operating for the first time since 2019, coincidentally the last time the community implemented water conservation measures. During its two-month busy season, Waiter says Trident can use upwards of two million gallons of water. Wrangel has faced periodic water shortages for years, though. Some issues with the water supply have been tied back to the drinking water treatment plant itself. The community is in the process of developing a new water treatment plant, which is expected to be able to produce 2.3 million gallons per day. But better output at Wrangell's water plant won't solve the other issue, storage capacity. The reservoirs can only hold about 68 days' worth of water, and the earthen dams holding back Wrangell's drinking water are a century old, and some of the most unstable dams in the state, according to the Department of Natural Resources.
4: For us to fix our dams, you know, you're talking tens of millions of dollars. For us to you know, stabilize or increase storage capacity up there, that is... A massive, major project.
3: Waiter says the water shortage is not an emergency yet, and there's hope on the horizon with the end of the summer approaching and the slowing of the salmon season.
4: We've, we've got about a month left with, you know, canneries being in, in, in full tilt. Uh, we still have just over six days worth of water.
3: Those days of water are important. The National Weather Service in Juneau said Wednesday that dry weather will likely continue for Wrangell for the next week, with isolated rain showers possible. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.
0: Sitka voters will likely decide this fall whether municipal employees can serve on the local school board. The Sitka Assembly passed on its first reading, a ballot proposition to amend the city's charter to allow this change. The city's charter prevents elected municipal officers from serving in other offices or on city staff. That means municipal employees can't serve on the assembly or school board. Sponsor Kevin Mosher said allowing staff to serve on the school board is one path toward helping the board recruit and retain members.
4: This was not done for any one person. Mr. Pike and I have been looking into this uh, because it's very difficult to find people to serve on the school board. And there have been people in the past who are uh, employees of the, of the municipality who expressed an interest.
0: Mosher also challenged the idea that opening up the board to city staff presented a conflict of interest. Unlike the assembly, the school board has no say over the city's budget or finances, and the proposal would not open the opportunity up to school district employees. Former Sitka School Board President Blossom Teal Olson, who resigned from the board earlier this summer, said it was a good idea, recalling some late nights she spent on the phone recruiting for the board. She also noted that Sitka School Board, unlike other districts in the state, is uncompensated.
2: It is a huge uh, detriment uh, within the city because First and foremost, it stops equity because you have to be of a certain type of demographic that can supply your time. And it is like a part time job.
0: The assembly unanimously approved on first reading a ballot proposition to follow municipal employees to serve on the Sitka school board. If it passes again on its second reading, voters will decide the question in the municipal election this October. Petersburg's borough assembly passed a similar ordinance in April. In the upcoming election in Petersburg, voters will also decide whether municipal employees can serve on certain boards and commissions. The State Department of Environmental Conservation will test the drinking water in nearly 200 Alaska Native villages to identify levels of PFAS contamination. The program will begin this fall. PFAS are present present in all sorts of household items with waterproof coatings, ranging from rain jackets to cookware, and have been linked to cancer and other health issues by the EPA. The bigger threat to Alaska communities, though, is the presence of these forever chemicals in a foam used in airport fire extinguishers. Cindy Christian manages the state's drinking water program, and she says PFAS are still used, especially in fighting fuel-based fires at military facilities or airports, which Alaska has a lot of.
3: In other states, every little town doesn't have an airport but in Alaska most of our little communities um, especially in the rural areas do have airports and so a lot of the PFAS contamination that we found in the state is associated with airport activities.
0: The Alaska legislature passed a bill that requires a switch to alternative firefighting foam options by next year but Christian says the damage has already been done in at least five communities she says the state is currently helping replace or supplement contaminated water in Cold Bay, Gustavus, Yakutat, Dillingham, and King Salmon.
3: Some of the those systems are getting bottled water. Some of them have already been. Um, provided with an, an an alternative source of water, maybe it's hooked up to another public water system or they've gotten a new well. So we're in various stages in in quite a few communities in addressing PFAS. Those,
0: pro, uh, those communities were found to have unsafe levels of PFAS through a special contaminated sites program. But Alaska does not currently regulate the forever chemicals in drinking water. Christian says there are some in-home water filters that can remove them. But if your community hasn't heard yet from the state, she doesn't expect they'll find PFAS in your drinking water. The EPA has proposed a rule they hope to finalize this year that would regulate six different PFAS chemicals, which Christian's department would then begin regulating. The newly announced monitoring plan is funded by a tribal-focused grant, so it only targets Alaska native villages – but Christian says they plan to sample the rest of the state water systems later this year. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.